hello listeners hello Welcome everyone divergent moments I we spoke of each other straight away we're doing great sorry <laughs> i panicked because you said hello listeners right as i was taking a drink of coffee so i was like hello, listeners. from the uh, stolen podcast mug yes i've also got my stolen podcast mug we're oh. criminals on the run yeah with the exception that as we stole them they were like we want you to take them <laughs> Still, I'm still a bad boy. You are. You are. You totally are. Hey, this podcast episode was great, unlike our others, which were rubbish. <laughs> what an opener. <laughs> the views of uh, Abigail do not represent the views of the Neurodivergent Podcast. I'd it was like a particularly good one, though. That I have taken my ADHD mug medicine uh almost finished my cup of coffee but woke up late today and haven't had breakfast so oh i see that's why you're excitable yeah a, <laughs> I, I might need to eat after this i might need to eat and lie down and just not do anything for the rest of the day well, we uh, have samita majumdar on oh my god what a lovely lovely person now you knew her before she came on the podcast but i did not and she's a comedy writer uh yeah performer she well people may know her particularly people with neurodivergent children or any children as ren from the preschool show pablo she is the voice of ren she's great she's great so she, i i thought she wrote on the show but she was the voice she also of wrote on the show and okay, is the voice cool. of ren um uh, who is the uh the kind and compassionate uh bird and I would say that she is a kind and compassionate bird in real life. <laughs> uh, you I just want to say that. Uh, you'll see it uh, when I release the clips. And of course, if you're a five t- five dollar tier Patreon, five pound tier Patreon, you'll see it in the video. But Samita did something that we have never had on the podcast so overtly, and I loved it. Like, talk about a beautiful unmasking. She sat down to do the podcast and then poured out a little bag of, like, sparkly stars and paper clips just so she had something to play with as she talked to us. And I thought that was so cool to see. And now I want a bag of sparkly stars and (laughs) cool paper clips. Yeah, weirdly, she said it had gone missing afterwards, that someone had stolen it. Um, I, I don't, I, I will neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> Maybe this is why this is the best episode. I now have stars. you got free stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got free stuff. I, uh, I, I, Samita's whole, like, outlook on autism and neurodiversity, I think, is so brilliant. And she's probably someone that, I'm so glad we got her on, because she's someone that probably makes me, like, um, think about uh, the autistic experience in a different way. Yeah, and just uh, the subject was in-betweenness, which she came up with, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. She has such a a layered way of thinking about everything that Mm. it just really makes my head spin in a good way. She's amazing. Yeah, I think it's going to be one I'm going to listen back to and properly uh, get get even more out of. She also messaged yeah. me afterwards saying, uh, we've got to talk about Gadoodle Burgers. And uh, <laughs> Gadoodle Burgers are, uh, we, we both talk, talked a bit about uh, Polly Samuel, and she had this idea of Gadoodle Burgers, who were um, people who sort of had one one foot in each camp of the, the autistic world and the neurotypical world and could sort of um, advocate for and communicate between the two. And I, I just love that the Polly Samuel chose to call them Gadoodle Burgers. What a brilliant name. 
so good. Uh, uh, let's, 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 let's listen to it. Let's we're, just we're, do uh, it. Let's just yeah. do it. Here she is, Samita. We, 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 we want to talk about in-betweenness, um, which was your thing. What, 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 what does that mean to you? Um, what does in-betweenness mean? I guess um, it's just I feel like I feel in-betweenness a lot because I feel like when I, like, it's, it's kind of like this thing of when you're constantly trying to find spaces where you're like, okay, that's the alignment, that's the thing, that's where I feel aligned but then you're still kind of like not quite like not i'm gonna need to ask you what the word alignment means (laughs) um like um when you feel like you're aligned with like a space it's kind of like you feel like uh, i'm like trying to explain a thing that isn't even like it's not a word but it's like um like where you're you're being this you're gonna ask me what being this means um like when you're being this like feels um resonant you're gonna ask me what resonant means um <laughs> do you like another way of explaining it maybe might be like when you're kind of like in the zone like when everything kind of like makes sense or like when you're in the pocket when it just all kind of works yeah i guess it's when you feel like your energy is fitting in with the other energies around you whether you're the same as those people or not like it or, like it's kind of like um like i guess if you think about it the other way it's kind of sometimes easier to like say if i don't feel aligned um, in a space it's where like I feel like maybe like a lot of those I am having to be more consci- conscious of those social rules or whatever for example so, right, mm-hmm. so like because I'm not aligned and so like it's like I can't as easily just be like I don't know like uh, be comfortable with my beingness because I don't feel like there's constantly like things that are making me feel like they're just a bit jarring or a bit like mm. I feel like a bit so if I can to try to understand it so like when you're aligned you you don't feel like when when you're unaligned put it this way there's the back in the back of your head there's the the conversation going on of the what i need to do there's a little bit more effort to be in that space yeah i guess and i guess like if you think about aligning to like certain diagnoses for example like um i before i got diagnosed like the things that i was looking at that I felt aligned to were experiences that felt similar to me that made me feel like it's got kind of like magnets I guess it's kind of like and like I guess with diagnosed like frameworks and stuff are so like they can be so vague and they are just like things that people have like decided that okay this is under this framework whatever's diagnosis um and I guess like there's me over here and like some of those things like oh yeah we align with this like and they kind of like and then, like, if there's more of those, then I, I'm like, okay, this is what I align with most. And that was, for me, it was autism, even though there's I've multiple neurodivergence, other things that I, you know, do align with. But, like, and so, therefore, if I go into a space and there's other people with those similar things, then I feel more aligned in a space. But align's a funny word anyway, because it's, like, line, linear, and I know it's not, like, we can all stand in a line. Like, it's not like that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I totally, yeah, I think you're right when you think of it as being out of a lot. I always think of weddings when I have to um, be around people and I'm just very conscious that I don't fit in there and I don't match up with those people. Mm. There has to be like a real effort to just sort of like coast on 
existing around those, those people. And um, although I went to a wedding recently and there was two other autistic people there and it was, there was like magnets we just saw. Like, uh, it was like, you've got a, a paisley waistcoat and a trilby. I think you're one of, one of us. And, uh, they just sort of found us and uh, yeah, it was... Uh, but yeah, you're totally right. I think that's why I'm obs- like, I'm, I am obsessed with stand-up and it is because that is the space where I feel that I don't have to obey those social rules and I don't have to worry about those things. I think I'm like addicted to it. That's why I do too many gigs and drive to fucking Birmingham for no money <laughs> because then I can have that little 20 minutes of uh, oh god I'm questioning too much here <laughs> but I totally get like that's why like when I started open micing like doing like songwriting stuff mm. like that's why I was in it was similar like I was um, other than like I was in my room a lot. When I wasn't in my room, I was doing. I was at open mics, and mm. I was. It wasn't just like I was going to open mics. It was the amount of effort I'd like. Like like, like when I first started doing, I was like just carrying my keyboard around, like um, or like I go to Bristol on the train with a keyboard, bag of clothes, like like this stuff, and then I'd the, the, like the amount of like just to do these free open mics as if it was like <laughs> I don't know um, my life. Well, it was my life, but the, what I got out of it was that. Um, what I really it was my only way of meeting people because if you're going to do a gig you've like already kind of like been like you've you know you've put some sort of your inner essence out in the mm. world and like you've already you've already done that introduction thing and so mm. then if people like like resonate with that or like connect with that then they approach you and then like the people that approach you are like people that you can like um have conversations about about interesting stuff and yeah. you miss that mm. whole like that whole so what do you do that like you miss it because you've already shared something and then yeah. people are more open to share back with you and mm-hmm. like I end up meeting people and then like for ages I don't even know like all of that stuff that you're people think you're supposed to find out first about yeah. people yeah because yeah, it goes yeah. straight and to, what's your name yeah, 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 yeah. exactly and, and you said open mic you do music right these are music open mics they were yeah 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 oh very cool I tell, yeah, I, that, um, I'm, I think I feel like so much stuff that I he say I, I just feel like maybe I'm projecting or maybe I'm relating to it. I'm never sure how much of it yeah. is one or the other. But like I totally like yeah, coming off stage, I feel like a sense of self that I never feel, and it lasts for maybe half an hour, forty five minutes. Mm. That like I, I can be connected to my sense of self and I can have a conversation with people in a way that. I don't know whether they like the conversations I'm having, but I feel like a more I'm being myself more. And yeah, you can only get it from it's not it's not a healthy lifestyle for me really. <laughs> but I've got, I'm, I'm coping the rest of the time. But certainly it is it is that that sort of thing. But yeah, you bring up a good point because then people approach you with their story that relates to what you said. So you do skip the like, where are you from? What do you do? Like if I go on stage and talk about like say my immigration story then Mm. someone's going to come up to me and tell me their immigration story and we're going to skip all of the what do you do for a living oh that sounds like a good job what's your commute like you know all that stuff we're just all of a sudden sharing really intense conversations like when I was younger and I used to talk about dating and sex a lot like people would just walk up to me and tell me about their sex capades. And it was quite freeing. Like it was like it was like really cool because there are people who are like, I've never told anyone this before. Mm. And they're like and it it was like a cool sharing. And again, you no clue what their names are, what they do, where they live. It's just this moment 
of like sharing because they're familiar with you. Mm. But you know all the weird sex stuff they've done. And now I know all the weird stuff they do. Yeah. yeah. So what what are the things people want to talk about after your shows? Um, I don't. Which show? Like I'm trying to. Which, when you were doing the open mics, so people um, were coming yeah. up to you afterwards. What what were they talking to you about? Um, I don't really know. I guess like um, well, like sometimes it was just like my accent would change depending on where I was because I used to. Um, so sometimes it would just be confused at what my accent was because then when I talk to people, it would be... So just because I... Well, I was from Swindon and then I was... Um, um, I started open micing in Plymouth and then um, moved back to Swindon, so I was open micing in Swindon, uh, Bath and Bristol. Um, right. So it would be in a lot of, like, just, like, pubs. And so I guess my when I was singing, my accent would sort of sometimes sound a bit Bristol or Plymouth or... I don't right. know, or just like really British, and like I don't like. So it would kind of be like what, like what, and like it was my voice was different. Like it did check. Like I don't know what my singing voice was then, and then it kind of just kept morphing. And so sometimes people were just intrigued to because I, I can't tell accents. You don't have a West Country accent, do you? Or have I just never picked up on it? I I don't know what accent I have now, but I guess it maybe it's still more depending on what I'm talking about. But but then again, I like, uh, yeah, obviously like. Um, the people asking me where I'm from was obviously to do with the fact that I'm brown. It wasn't just my right. accent. Yeah. My brain yeah. getting and thinking, oh, it's probably because of my singing accent and then realising, oh, it's because I'm brown in yeah. like... Uh, well, where are you <laughs> from? <laughs> from? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funny how like even I, even like, um, like it's only really been recently that I've kind of like, you know, been more aware of like, you know, my outer body and my outer presence and like, oh yeah, that's probably because you're brown rather than me going, oh, it's probably because of my accent or it's probably because of this and that. And like, it's only really, yeah, like I've kind of been so morphy. Um, just, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I can sort of relate to that. Not not the being brown part, uh, but no, I, I, I've had people like tell me it's like, oh, when you go on stage because you sound different and you look different and you have such an interesting look about you. And I think I'm a very, like, plain-looking person because, like, naturally I used to have blonde hair and I'm from the Midwest and there's nothing really particularly special about me. But I forget that, like, I present outwardly, like, as a very colorful person and because my accent is different than... Uh, the accent of the country I live in. It's like, oh, I'm exotic. And uh, and people are like, you need to talk more about that. And I'm like, there's nothing really... I'm just like a person who dyed their hair blue instead of getting a personality. Like, that's, that's the, the crux of it. I also have blue hair. Yeah. <laughs> I also forget that. I forget that I don't still have blue hair. It's weird, because like, I was used to having short blue hair. And in my head, sometimes I still think I do. Yeah. So it's <laughs> confusing. Um yeah, I've had uh, I've had several colors now, and I still yeah. think I'm blonde. And I haven't been blonde for years. <laughs> yeah, like this is the identity crisis for me. Having like long hair and it being my natural color is like uh, like it doesn't feel like it's my natural color, and it doesn't feel like like I forget sometimes, and I like it's yeah <laughs> strange thing. Also with the like, what do people ask you at, um, after gigs? Like, I get a couple of people not they didn't ask me straight away, but a, it, interesting, a couple of people did ask me if uh, if I was autistic or if I thought I was autistic, and at the time. I was so like resistant to like any any kind of social label like or any kind of social description that um that I was like if and also there wasn't as much that I did um 
align with like if i use that word um as much no, like, you know, on the, on the, now, the, but yeah and, I, and, and i'm i'm like a bit resistant to it now because of just thinking a line is like linear it doesn't mm. like but um uh can't remember what was so about. they were asking you they, they said asked you if you thought you were oh artist. yeah and i would always be like oh i'm like nothing i'm just like i'm just me i'm just why i like um and it's funny when i you know, think back on those interactions uh now because now you're very i feel you're i think first that I, I would describe as like a proud autistic person you're and a lot of like your work and stuff that you took feels like it comes from a place of trying to be truly yourself and that is an autisticness so yeah it is surprising to me that to hear you're resistant to that i guess i like and even like still now like i um i i accept and i enjoy the fact that I can like zoom in and zoom out of different social spaces so and I kind of understand with myself that I can uh be like okay this is this is autisticness and I describe myself as being autistic and um I get um I guess working on Pablo was like a big part of like around that time I like that was when Pablo was out um that was Pablo coming out and it being public that I was involved in Pablo was it being public that I was autistic so right, like yeah, yeah. even and then I was very even um I guess quite um exposure anxiety which is like Polly Samuel's word but it's exposure anxiety is just like when you you know that thing where you put something on the internet and then you're like terrified and you have to like turn your phone off and like go off go away from the internet like as in like you say that you've well I don't know if you have this but I'd say that I have a gig or something and then I'd hate the feeling of everyone knowing or like I'd show you something that I'd done and instead of that like you know proud feeling of like oh like you know it just makes you feel really like weird and uncomfortable and like exposed and like just um and that's a really con- conflicting thing to have as like a performer i guess because like i'll like throw these songs on the internet just because it help they help me but then i'll be like i feel sick <laughs> like people are looking at my stuff and it's like i want people to look at my stuff but i also there's this layer of like it feeling horrendous and feeling like really like um and like those things existing can't remember what I was talking about that I have never felt like that in my entire life yeah if anything the exact opposite I post something <laughs> on the internet and I'm like why have not more people watched this and thought how brilliant I am like I'm like I need more more people need to see it how do I get more people I need more I need more um that's the comedian's uh, ego. Yeah, it's the comedian's <laughs> ego. It's it's the need for constant outward uh, appreciation and adulation. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think for me it's always I'm overridden needy. by that I think particularly comedians, our work gets access to some of the worst people on the internet. Mm. So I'm not worried about people saying nice things. I'm worried about all the horrible people out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, Luckily, I haven't had too much of that. Mm. Those people don't listen to this podcast as well. Yeah, you've got to no. really seek this out. So, yeah. um, this, is, uh, this is niche. They yeah. can see my fucking TikToks. And, um, I pop, pop up on TikToks while I get it. And their picture was a, a, a Union Jack profile picture. And I thought, I bet this is going to be a terrible take, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I have a question for you. You said you really resisted... Uh, um, uh, being called autis- autistic what where did that resistance come from why why that resistance um, i mean i guess i just didn't um i just saw humanness in a different way at that time i didn't know how it was going to like going to benefit me i guess i don't know it wasn't even that it was just i didn't i just i guess that fits in with the it's like kind of the in between us thing again like 
when you when you feel like you're like never quite of something to mm-hmm. be like yeah that's definitely about me like I felt like the first like when I first found out about what autism was I kind of back then it was through an article it was an article about um music therapy and I was looking when I was a teenager I was thinking about what jobs I could do um doing music because like that was what I could do at school and um I like there's an article about music therapy that been used with autistic children and that's kind of like when I started learning about what autism was but the descriptions were all very different and like that it wasn't like it was now on the internet but um and so I thought at the time I thought yeah I really align with it I was reading about creative autistic children I thought I really align with this and I'd always like so I thought oh I'll like I'd probably like to work with work with autistic children because like um yeah that's what I like I feel like I get something about this and I relate to this I really relate to autisticness but I never kind of I didn't feel like it was there wasn't enough to be like oh yeah that's talking about me like it I didn't feel that or get that from any of the information that I was looking at um so yeah I get I don't know but then I guess even now um or like you know even more recently I did still go back and forth like even after I got diagnosed of like do I want to associate with any of these terms it's, it's nothing to do with like like autism it's just human terms in general like I just that's I guess that's why I have like a performance space which is indoor goblin where none of these words like are like make sense because for indoor goblin like indoor goblin space is the norm space and so um it doesn't make sense to like to use those terms because it's like that is the 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 majority, what like normal majority, is like everything in that interwoven space. And whereas, as Samita, it's like, well, I'm autistic because I'm seeing myself through the social frameworks that are currently around me that I'm um, being in. Because um, that's like, you know, the people that I'm working with, the things that I'm trying to, um, the changes that I'm hoping to make for uh, like young children growing up. And um, like, I understand how those frameworks can like can be developed and like, you know. I don't know, expanded sort of, not very good at ending sentences, but I don't know if I answered, I can't remember your question now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like autism is almost, almost like defined by the non-autistic at the moment and like how, is that what you're saying? That like, we're almost talking about like double empathy, like that, that like the label autistic exists in a space in relation to, like you're, yeah, having a space where autistic is the norm the word autistic sort of loses its meaning to some extent yeah and I guess like I guess like just even describing myself as general I think I just wanted to be and like I think to, to, like I still do just want to be and that's why my indoor goblin space is really important because I feel like I can then have a space where I am just being and like I can just be like I don't need to like because like I think especially I don't know it's quite intense the way these words and frameworks get developed and they're developing at different paces in different parts of the country and the world and mm. um and then it's like there are all these rules and all these like things and it just feels like just I but then with the work that I do and like research stuff I do I do feel like I want to be a part of that as well so it's kind of like how but that's why it's useful for me to have different spaces because I can still get that just beingness with just being able to um I don't know play and explore and be without having to be like okay this is the word that I'm using and like I I, I don't know like but I think but then yeah the resistance to um that was your question I've just remembered um yeah it wasn't like I don't want to associate being autistic or anything like that it was it was kind of like um not very it wasn't very helpful at all for me because um it meant like if I had like been 
comfortable or understood more back then, then I would have been able to make connections and I would have been able, like, I was, like, in this position where I'd be, like, even when I started learning more, I'd be, I'd be in even in online spaces, I'd see people connecting online and, um, and I wouldn't be able to make those connections because I wasn't, I was too scared to, like, you know, type those people, but also, like, wasn't, like, you know, um, able to find the communities that I needed, like, in just all social spheres. Like, I just didn't, like, yeah, like, it, it, was, it just wasn't very helpful at the time, and that's something that, as an adult, is, like, easier to, it's easier to, to find people when you can engage with those, those sort of, mm. I don't know. I remember Andrew O'Neill saying to me, I don't know whether this is their phrase or whether it's, it's an expression that I'd never heard before, the map is not the territory. And I thought that, like, really, I thought that was really useful to me of just, like, all these words are just a map, but actually there was a real land out there that is, is who we are. That these these words are just sort of trying to draw some draw draw something onto those things. Well, what did so, so the sort of I guess we're talking about online spaces. There is that autistic online space. Do you feel like you fit into that or? Um, I mean, I try not to like. I think now I try not to see it as just this like there is this one online. Sp- I think years ago I like when I first found out about like the online autistic community like it was just this like terrifying thing and there were just so many like arguments and like so many just like uh I don't know I and I felt very uncomfortable because there just seemed to be like like the majority of the majority within the online autistic community of this is how you should speak about autism Mm, and um and then it was it was to me it was reflecting the same experiences that I was seeing about being autistic in a non-autistic majority, like, but mm. within autistic space. And um, and I think that was part of my, like, like, no, I didn't feel, at that time, I didn't feel like I fit in because of, because I didn't feel like, um, I, I guess I really like to sort of zoom out and, like, think about things. And I'm maybe, I don't know, I like to sort of, I like to... Um, yeah, I just like to hear things from different, many different views before fixating on this is what, like, even when I define things myself, I always, I'm always like, yeah, but this is, like, I don't know, my body and brain are performing this thing and, like, seeing, like, it's always, like, kind of trying it out and then saying, is that the definition? Is that what I think? Right, yeah, yeah. And, um, and understanding that things morph and change. Mm. There is a, a um, element to which you said you didn't connect when you read about autistic or autism, um, when you're looking at music therapy classes, is that because there's a sort of stereotype of like the the white boy that knows a lot about trains? Yeah. Do you know anything about trains? Um, yeah, but there are a lot of just me being on trains rather than. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know where the plug sockets. I know which ones have plug sockets. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I don't think that's what they're expecting. I know which ones I can buy on the day and which ones I have to plan in advance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, can you tell me uh, what is Indoor Goblin? You mentioned it before. Um. Oh, um, Indoor Goblin is, um, well, it's just, it's a, a space. It's more of a world. It's like, it's a character, but it's also like the space itself. And it's, it is permission to be, basically. And it's something that I started, um, um, I was, I decided that um, I quit, decided to quit music, but then seven months later I was doing music again. Um, and because I got, really like I don't know if some words that isn't angry isn't annoyed but kind of is 
I don't know, some sort of word because I was just playing, um, I was playing a gig and um, usually when I was playing it would be like quite immersive and I'd see all this stuff and hear all this. I, I'd see and hear, it, I'd have this experience of the song that I was playing but this one particular gig I could hear the piano and my singing and like I imagine like just without all of this stuff. And to me, that was terrifying. I know that's like the opposite. Like some people would be terrified if they started seeing loads of stuff and hearing loads of stuff. But to me, I was like, this is like, it just sounds awful. Like it just sounds, I realised that other people couldn't hear like all of the other stuff. And that just kind of, that was one of the reasons why I was just, um, I don't know, just um, just a part of one of the things that, many things that made, that was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, and um, so Indoor Goblin was kind of, um, I was going to express more visuals because I used to scribble a lot and stuff. And um, and I don't like I don't think there was like a def- definitive like point where I just went right. I'm going to start doing this thing, but or how it became what it was. But even before it was like the scribbling, it was just I would paint myself purple and um, uh, <laughs> that like came out nowhere. yeah, yeah, that's a left field. But I, I am <laughs> I am here for this. And um, yeah, and I just I don't know. I just thought like oh I felt like. I do like when I look back because the timeline's all so jumbly. It was a really strange time, um, but um, like I, but I don't know. I guess like if I could be like I would paint myself any color. I wanted to paint myself that color, and it was a purple. And so I just painted myself. Purple. I just the more and the more I did, I'd just be like just on my floor, put my hands in paint and um, scribbling stuff. And then I started doing these digital scribbles of like I'd scribble something on my computer, and then I'd make myself post it online before I knew really what it was and I'd make I'd have to like you know name the file upload it and like that was like really therapeutic for me but also like there was something about the sharing of it that made me do it and um so that was that thing where I put it online and then I'd be like I feel horrible for sharing stuff um and um and then eventually that turned like I did start doing music um with it but now it's kind of turned more into um I guess well then I started doing live art stuff and playing with string and um now when I do indoor goblin gigs it's kind of um oh yeah another part of it was um it was different to the Samita stuff because when I first doing start doing singing the Samita songs were very like um sugary optimistic like like kind of like forced optimism in like my brain of like um um and like that was kind of like uh but it's not very good I it's like I wouldn't recommend because like the crash is bad when you like live like that. Yeah. Um and um and then I guess like that brain world just like broke and then like the thing that emerged from the broken version of that was the Indoor Goblin space and like the difference between Indoor Goblin gigs was like rather than go and like pretend I wasn't scared, anxious, like Indoor Goblin was about like performing, like allowing my anxiety to be there while I was performing and like just embracing that and like being like so the opposite of like you know it's different to putting on a persona that is more co- like the confident version of you it's like the just al- like allowing it is giving it was giving myself permission to be yeah i just figured out why you're afraid to or you get uh, anxious about posting stuff on social media and i don't i'm not just being like that that idea of just like allowing yourself to just be the person you are in that moment that's man you're deep how old are you you're you you're you're throwing down some beautiful things here. Oh, thanks, I'm thirty three. Oh gosh, I wish I knew as much as you do. Uh, that's really beautiful. Uh, and and so when you say uh, per, these performances, these indoor goblin spaces, these performances, what what are they? Are they like performance art? Are they 
Where where are you doing this? Um, well, I guess now I where am I doing? Oh, mostly in my room where I live. Um, but like, so is it more like a therapy thing, or is it a is it a, something that you give access to the outside world has access to? Oh no, I I love perform like I would like I do do gigs. Sometimes I guess the last gig that I did was probably a few months ago. Was it? There was one at Eclectic. I, but my what month are we in? Where are we? <laughs> like it's November. I, I, like I would. Like, I love performing. Like it's. I guess I would call it more like. Like I describe it as live art now. Now that I know what live art was, I didn't know what live art was until like, I did a live art module with Daniel Oliver, who's a neurodivergent um, live artist. And um, um, I re when I did that, I realised that just so much of just. Um, being neurodivergent is just live art generally and like um, and that's why I got on with that module so much because I was like this is like what I this is like I didn't know that that's just what I do um, like it it just performing life performing at life is like yeah. live art um, and like just that constant like thinking about thinking and like that like you do something and then the, like just that interest in that just, so like I do um, yeah I would say that it's live art but it's also like you know the indoor goblin part of me is just like just obviously just wants to exist and not have like but i think i get a lot out of um um out of performing and um and i've it helps me make like the i made some friends this year like recently because um through doing an indoor goblin gig and what was interesting was that they met me as indoor goblin first and um that was interested me because like that was um and it wasn't um, and then they were running a um, like neuroqueer art space, and so, and so that like my beingness was like I don't know maybe in a different space to like you know ten years ago if I would have uh, been like, hi I'm Samita I'm gonna sing some songs like it's mm -hmm. take whereas indoor goblin mm -hmm. was just, just me like with some string and um, being anxious on a stage, so <laughs> oh that's cool yeah right so when I I've done bits of I guess there is a thing with sound, but there's always a little bit of of not completely of da 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 da. Like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Where it's not the few things that I've done which have been a little bit more being myself. I think I think I'm getting there with trying to like. I always used to feel like I had to look at the audience, and like increasingly I'm not doing that. Yeah. I always like was conscious of things that I did. Like, I touch my face a lot, so I'd be, like, doing sound-up and do stuff like that. And, like, and then I'd, like, I'd hate, like, see videos and stuff, and I'd hate that I did that, and I'd be like, oh, no, I've got to, like, be, like, a sound and, like, trying to go back into doing those things. It's quite a sort of vulnerable thing, because you do, you do have all that from, I guess, I guess like, like, anything cultural, there's an idea of culturally what stand-up should look like, what a singer should look like, what even, like, what a performance artist should look yeah. like, even though we really think of that as being quite out there. And when you see yourself not fitting into that, I think it's it's very hard to yeah to be like no no I'm doing I'm doing my own. I definitely try to bring like my more authentic energy onto stage anymore. Mm. One time I had a director who pointed out he was like, "You're delivering your show like you're presenting. Like you do a lot of club comedy, you do a lot of emceeing, and it has this like very grand big presentation." Mm. And he was like, "I just need you to like." intimately tell the story here i just need you to talk like you talk and i try to do that more but i also have like tricks i don't know if you've ever noticed it but when i walk on stage i open my arms to the audience 
I'm not trying to think of them. Uh, that's yeah. one, one to welcome them and to be like, I'm safe. Mm. And two, it, try it. If you go on stage and do this. I like I'm safe. They'll, <laughs> yeah. they'll applaud more. Oh. Yeah. Like, and you don't have to do this. You just literally open your arms to them and they'll applaud more. Like, I'm here. Mm. How did you discover that? Did you just, um, I... It was an accident. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I heard someone else on a podcast talk about how they were opening for someone and uh, the, the the fan base had trouble, like, accepting them as an opener. So they'd walk on with, like, their hands open like that as a way to be like, here I am. So All I right. tried it. And uh, if you do it, the audience will cheer more. <laughs> I'm I like the idea of I'm, not, of, of I'm safe. I'm like, safe. You know that thing of if you shake someone's hand, it's meant to be like, I don't have a sword. Yeah. So I'm not going to stab you. Yeah. I feel like it's There's like that. nothing <laughs> up my <laughs> sleeves. I don't, no you know. Yeah. yeah. I guess yeah. maybe that's the difference between like comedy and like other types like because um I like I guess with like I don't know like I might be wrong here but like with doing comedy I guess do you feel like um it rely or like you feeling like it went well relies a lot on the feed the like um like applause for example you get from the like the audience feedback because, yeah like, again that's another thing I'm getting better at is recognizing that people can enjoy things without being... I think partly doing my tour that has quite a neurodivergent audience and recognising that I will see people in the audience that are just sat there listening to it mm-hmm. and people enjoy things in different ways. And I think, like, we all take on, like, various different things and I think that I still have that belief that, well, no, in order for someone to be enjoying something, they must be giving their full attention, they must be looking at me, and they must be going, ha-ha, and then clapping, right? And that's yeah. what, like, enjoying a comedy show is. And I think that I'm learning that that's not the only way people... For, for, just for doing the tours, I think, that, that, you know, the people who come to see me don't necessarily enjoy comedy in that way. They might want to get up halfway through and have a walk around or whatever, you know, but yeah. they're still enjoying it. And I think that's... Um, uh, yeah, but it, that was a, a process. Um. Yeah. I mean, you can feel, too, like, whether an audience is engaged or not, even if they're quiet. You know, it, after, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I I mean, oh, I can't. But, like, <laughs> um, but I would say I still rely heavily on that audience feedback to judge whether the gig went well or not. Like, um, because laughing is an involuntary reaction. Um, you can't make idea, someone laugh on yellow purpose. performance stuff really stresses me because I don't know. How do you know when those gigs have gone well? Uh, I don't. I guess it's not even. A, I don't or is know. that not even a, a measure? It's not like, even a thing. I've, I've, yeah, it's I guess not I about it going well. It's about being, man. Well, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I'm so ridiculous about it because I bring like it's such a thing to like get all my stuff like stuff there and then bring it all back and then like I'm just I don't know and then I'm I can't I'm just up for the next few nights like doing stuff because I can't like sleep then and so I don't I don't know I don't know but like what I do know is that when I because when I first like I'm I don't even know if it was comedy stuff but when I first tried to what I thought of the I I thought about doing comedy stuff but that was when um all of like the pubs and bars shut down because of global disease so (laughs) I um like the my first sort of attempt at comedy stuff was like online and that that's where you get literally no feedback because it's like Mm. and I thought I felt like if that hasn't been if that had been me and like, I guess I did still have my keyboard there because, um, but if that had been different, like just me doing songs, not trying to do a comedy gig, then um, it, it would have 
it would have been a lot easier. And but then I, when I did do an in, an in person thing, I found it weird because it was surprising. Like if people are expecting it to be like a oh we might be laughing, like they're kind of being prepared to laugh. Mm-hmm. And I found that interesting because like I'd sing a song and it was kind of surprising the things that people were laughing at because like if I did that in a different context and it would be like like I did one in a comedy context and people were laughing and I was like oh this is interesting this is like a thing that people can laugh and like I felt nice that people were laugh because I laugh at myself all the time all the time and so like it's nice when other people are then also laughing at you at the stuff that your brain is doing um and then I did that same song in a different context not in a comedy setting and not as a comedy thing and it was a really like you know people felt if I felt like kind of really sad like empathy emotions and that was really and I was like no I want you to laugh at me like mm-hmm. so, yeah. so it's kind of interesting how um I always yeah, feel different. that I feel that about like I, I like arts that are, like that is funny I went to see you know Sarah Lucas I'm talking about a lot I saw her exhibition it's really funny but no one's laughing yeah and then you get the first exhibition is like a mechanical wanking chair like with this like prosthetic arm and everyone just looked around and go, oh, yeah, 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 like that. And like, no one's laughing how funny this is. And all the different things that, you know, like, there's, like, someone, like, a, a statue of someone bent over a cigarette up their bum and stuff like that. No laughing at all because it's in a gallery and we have to take this seriously. Yeah. But if you put that on a, uh, I mean, I don't know whether the comedy store would book that. <laughs> <laughs> just welcome me an exact the wanking chair. But, um, but yeah, but I guess it, you're right. In, people don't feel like they can... Laughter is very interesting because it's so social, isn't it? So, like, people mm. think, oh, I just find what I find funny. But actually, um, that's not true. People find things funny based on the context and feeling it's okay to laugh and, and you know, and, and feeling safe. And there's so many different reasons people laugh. It's not just whether or not something is funny. That's what I tell myself after I've done a horrible gig when no yeah. one's laughed. <laughs> okay. Well, the context was wrong there. Yeah, sometimes when, like, say you're at an Edinburgh show or, and you've just got that audience that's not giving you anything, mm. I'm not someone anymore who will, like, chase a laugh. Like, I'm never like, oh, come on, that deserved more. Or, you guys are dead. Oh, I'm I like, this well, is okay. how you're judging it. That's fine. And if they're really quiet, I just go, okay, I'm performing a play also, now. Also, such, like, a, it's, it's such a rude thing to do to an audience. Like, people are allowed to enjoy things on whatever level yeah. they enjoy them. And, like, when I, that's a real bugger of comics being, like, having a go at an audience, even, like, an audience member for not laughing enough, I really think that's, like, I, I fucking do, like, um, in many ways he was brilliant. I remember seeing Incognito, mm. um, really going for someone that wasn't laughing a, enough. And it was really, really horrible. And, um, uh, yeah, you know, I think you've got to, I just let people in increasingly with stand up. I'm just just doing my th- just going out doing what I do, yeah, and, and just letting people enjoy it. However, and a bit, I mean, and it's been better. You know what? Well, I was somewhere recently, and a lot of people going, "This room's really, really tough." People are, it's like, yeah, but everyone just sat there enjoying it. Just do your. It's not for. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like, and I'm also one of those like you know sometimes like really laughing inside my head, and like I don't look yeah, like I'm yeah. laughing. Like yeah. I, I'm pretty sure like when I went to your gig, I was one of the non-laughing but finding it funny people and so it's like I think I don't know maybe maybe like I sometimes feel like at certain gigs there should just be like I don't know a certain number of like invisibility cloak tickets where you can just be like like, the invisibility cloak person and then I can sit and be like okay I don't need to perform I don't need to like make my face give the feedback because I'm empathizing with the person 
wanting my feedback kind of like oh my god thing. I'm going to bring that yeah. in you know those heights people who go like watching bird watching they have those little heights <laughs> yeah I'm going to build some of them at my gigs and people Ten. can come and, uh, oh that's yeah. a brilliant idea <laughs> with a little binoculars that's <laughs> it's yeah. like you just sometimes don't know how, like you said how people enjoy things like I remember when I was a kid, we used to go to a lot of musicals, and my dad, you know, and the big number would happen, and everyone in the audience applauds. My dad watches musicals like this and doesn't move, just like, just hands full, like, kind of exactly like I've been sitting, and just doesn't move, doesn't applaud, and then afterwards he's like, that was spit. <laughs> like, like, but he's so kind of in the moment, and I've actually realized that I kind of do that as well as yeah. an audience member. Like, unless I'm going to see a friend show and I'm performing audience, yeah, yeah. like if I'm just watching a show, I don't feel the mm. need to like applaud or or I'm I'm just like enjoying it as I enjoy it, and I don't need to enjoy it. It's funny. I think we recognize like, like to some extent like neurodiversity and performers you know that like different comics will perform in a different way but we don't recognise that in audiences the audience there's still an expectation that audiences have to perform the audience role yeah I think it's so like what the the expectations we have on an audience like when I was opening for you Joe and you do your speech at the beginning of like if you need a stim that's okay if you need to get up at any point that's okay that makes your gigs so much more relaxed because no one if someone stands up and needs to like step out of the room or Other any reason aren't thinking oh they're walking out cuz yeah. they're offended or they're or no one's out. thinking if i stand up i'm going to get yelled at by the comedian yeah, because yeah. i have to pee or my leg hurts and i just need to stand up or for whatever reason, one needs to stand up, you know? And it just makes the whole thing a lot more... I don't know. It feels like sometimes, like, in comedy, it's like you have to trap the audience and they have to react the way you <laughs> yeah, need yeah, them yeah. to. And if they don't do that, they'll get yelled at for being naughty. Mm. And it's like, no, just let them be. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think you could do that at some clubs. If you went to Jonglers on a Friday night and went, you can get up and do all you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 no. yeah. No, yeah. but that, that... I'm very lucky that I have a very nice audience that they want a bit... Yeah, there you do have to control the crowd. Yeah. There is sometimes <laughs> crowd control in what we do, yeah. but yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you um, We do a thing called Neurodivergent Moments where we like to share little sort of moments where you have... Uh, where your brain has acted in a different way that was interesting or unusual. Do you have a neurodivergent moment for us? Um, like, I don't know whether this is my brain being in a different way, cause, um, but, like, it's a an amusing moment and yes. um, probably relates to my neuro- neurodivergentness, but, you know, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to know. Like, is that a neurodivergent thing or is that just a me being ridiculous? And Do you know I was thinking about this? So this is a, a side note. But to me, I think it's like when people talk about... Um, like, people will say Italians talk with their hands. And mm-hmm. that is, like, a thing, isn't it? And if you go to Italy, people, like, do talk with their hands a lot. But that, like, doesn't mean that that is, like, everyone who talks with their hands... Is Italian. Is Italian. And also, like, if someone's Italian, they don't talk with their hands. You can't be like, well, you're not really Italian. <laughs> yeah. Because you haven't moved your hands. Um, so I think there's, yeah. But also, like, when you spend the majority of your time, like on your own like you think about these things through just you in a room not you in a room of other people and these like you have less to assess like what is the neurodivergent like I'm mm. literally seeing things through like my world framework so yeah. it's harder but um but yeah like I guess when you shared examples that was helpful to me because um I could Thank then you. be like okay this is 
a thing that's amusing that I could probably relate to neurodivergence. Um, but yeah, so I was um, like, I have this thing about cleaning the gym machines after I use gym machine. And um, I'd gone to clean the machine that was on um, and someone else had gone and sat on the machine, started using the machine. And I was <laughs> stood there with like the cleaning spray and the cloth. And like, it was like, if I had like, it's just, I, can't, I will just be thinking about it a lot. And so I was just, um, so I was just stood there, the person on the machine, I didn't want to have a social interaction. So obviously people around, because like, what was this person like, had seen me on the machine, me move. And I was just stood there. And then, so I went and cleaned the machine in front of him. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> that, like, no one had been using it. And like, I just like kind of was, and then I started laughing that people were just watching me like clean this machine. And I was just like, and then I was like kind of stuck in it because, I just, I felt like if I, when I stopped the cleaning, I was just going to be like me feeling awkward, but kind of like that thing when you finish a gig and then you have to get off the stage and then you're you again. I kind of like felt like that. It's just like, um, yeah, so I just, I'm just that, the person that cleans the machines. Oh, that, is, that is so relatable. Yeah, that is exactly the kind of thing. Yeah. And I'd be thinking, yeah, if I don't clean, do they think I'm, oh And like, people must think I work there, because like, I mean, I didn't actually have station director recruitment where someone went, someone got on the, yeah, someone went on the machine, I actually had to be like, oh, sorry, can I just clean that? Like, can yeah. I just clean that first? And then I didn't know if, I, yeah, it was, I do ridiculous. And stuff. also you, like, <laughs> a gym etiquette, for me, cleaning the machine, like, I'm, I'm right on, like, you do that for, you do that afterwards, you clean the machine. So if someone stepped on the machine before I had a chance to clean it, I'd be like, oh, they think I'm a bad person now. Oh, I will clean this one. Yeah, no, I totally get it. It's like carbon offsetting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're putting it out there into the universe. Yeah. Um, I love that you're like, I don't know whether this is a neurodivergent thing, and then just said the most related. Thing. <laughs> um, Samita, uh, do you have anything coming up? I think this episode might come out around January or so. Do you have anything coming up? Any socials where people can find you? Uh, um, my social things are just Samita Unjumbled. Um, and Indoor Goblin. Um, trying to think of what I have coming up after January is like time machines in my brain. Um, I will probably put them on those online places. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Check go, them out. Go follow Samita. Thank you so Thank much you for so doing much. the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was Samita Majumdar. Samita. She, she was fantastic. That's um, all I, want, I had to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> do, do go and watch the preschool show, Pablo. It's, it's fantastic. Have you ever yeah, seen it? No. What channel is it on again? It's a, a, The first series is all up on BBC. Okay. But it's sort of like, it's about, like, ostensibly, it's about an autistic boy and then has the sort of world inside his head where he talks to other they're sort of animals that live in his head and they're all his friends. Um, but it subtly explores elements of autistic experience in a way that I think is really like quite radical and um, uh, interesting for what is like a preschool show. It's for, it's for children under five, um, but it's, a, it's really fascinating. I will check that out now. I will. I'll do that after I finish 10 seasons of The Simpsons. Watch, uh, watch Captain Pinecone. He's my favourite. There's a Pinecone okay. called Captain Pinecone. He's like an oh, explorer. Oh, amazing. Do you have a neurodivergent moment? Yes. Do you want to do ours first or listeners first? Yeah, Let's do ours. Do... What's yours? Okay. So mine is, um, 
every time around this year, I kind of shut down and avoid work. And um, don't worry, kids, I've done it again. And this time I, on Amazon, Impulse bought myself an embroidery kit and didn't do any of my admin or work for a whole week because I was busy. That's beautiful. Wow. I've never done it before. I'm really Can proud of it. we put a of... picture on, on, online of that? Is, yeah. Is it up and up online? Is it, will people find it on your socials? I put it on my uh, Instagram stories. So by the time this comes out, it'll be done. No. But I'll make a little, like, my neurodivergent moment video and show it. There's a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a butterfly that's sort of transforming into flowers on the other side. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Well, you know what? That's I amazing. didn't realize it until I made it. But it's either a butterfly morphing into flowers or... Or a butterfly or sitting on flowers. Oh, it's like a perspective thing. Yeah, which I didn't realize I didn't until that. like the fourth day. I've spent a lot of time looking at this. I'm so proud of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll put that up on the socials though. My neurodivergent moment, I feel it's going to sound quite grim after that beautiful neurodivergent moment with the butterfly. <laughs> I did a a horrible gig, which happens sometimes. And at my horrible gig, there was a horrible man. And uh, I asked him what he did for a job. And as a joke, the man uh, said what he did for a job was that he was a paedophile. That was his little joke to make, right? And um, that happens sometimes. You will be at a gig. they And whoever runs the gig goes we're going to invite some horrible people, exclusively horrible people to this gig. But in a way, it's good that they're cordoned off in one horrible gig. So you can go to like, I was at the Poodle Club last week and it's all nice people. So it's good that we have that in comedy. Anyway, um, the reason I mentioned this is that um, uh, lovely Roger Monkhouse was on and uh, I saw, I told my friend about it. He'd later seen Roger Monkhouse, who was on the same horrible gig. And um, Roger had said to my friend, oh, I was a bit worried about Joe because because um, the guy in the audience said that, um, that he was a paedophile. And uh, I know Joe takes things quite literally. And I was worried that it had upset him. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not upset that... Uh, that Roger thinks that I took things literally. That that yeah, there 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 is some truth truth in that. I but I and this is I know that it's just a horrible man who thinks that's like a funny thing to say something really horrible and unpleasant. What I am offended by is that Roger thought that I took that literally and then came off stage and went tough gig and didn't act on that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I won't well, report there's... that to the police. <laughs> just a tough <laughs> gig, you know. Yeah, but also like I think it's really cute that like Roger is sensitive enough because if you've ever uh, seen Roger Monkhouse on stage and Hannah, Hannah, uh, who was at Comedia, you saw Roger Monkhouse. He was at that gig. He was the bald guy at that gig. If any of you have mm. ever seen Roger Monkhouse on stage, he is like that off stage. He's like a bit of a older curmudgeon-y guy, but. What a sweetheart to be like, oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> Joe has to live with this truth. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my slightly unpleasant uh, neurodivergent moment. Oh, God bless. Awesome. I've been doing we... nice gigs since. I'm only doing nice gigs now. Yeah. On that note, I'm on, I'm on tour. I need to plug my tour. Yes, you're be back on soon. tour. I'm in all different places. I am in uh bristol i'm in Great. maidenhead 
uh, Edinburgh and Glasgow again, Norwich, Br- uh, Hove, not Brighton, Hove, um, Southampton, somewhere in the north of England as well as a few up there, Liverpool, all over the place. It will be on all my social medias and, and everywhere. I'll put a link in the bio to the list as well. And this is your new show, right? New show called King of the Autistics, yeah. King of the Autistics. So everyone go check out Joe. And if I ever do any support for him during this tour, like I did last time, I promise I'll sign your book. <laughs> it Bring still your plugs, books back. It still plagues me that that one woman asked me to sign your book and I didn't do it. I feel bad about that. <laughs> Imagine how joyful it would be where if she comes back and you do something, brings the book and you sign it. Yeah. She has that special, unique signed book by both of us. Yeah, it'll be so special. <laughs> All right. Should we do some listener neurodivergent yes. moments? All right. I've got this one. Uh, this is from Sam. Again, I'm going to read the whole thing because I think it's fun. This is my sixth or seventh mail I've written to you in my head, but hopefully the first I'll actually send, which may <laughs> be my This is from Stan from the Eminem song. No, Sam. Sam. No, I was thinking. I was thinking of how many. Um, I cut out oh, that attempt at yeah. jokes. <laughs> I thought you were in the name. Come on, go. Yeah. Sorry, I took that too literally, and uh, <laughs> I have to call. You're joining me. us. I'm wrapping off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but hopefully, it is my the first I I'll actually write, which may be my neurodivergent moment. I'm also the Sam you mentioned on the show, and I can confirm that I am a he, him, his male. Uh, my neurodivergent oh moment. this is the the patreon um where, where we weren't sure when we um oh yeah uh, our producer we need to be extra nice to sam because he's a um a producer a patreon yes. producer yes oh yes of course now i remember i apologize sam also of the two of you abigailia is the closest to knowing me i was the autistic big hairy man who said hello to you with my wife with brightly colored hair after your gig at the Secret Welsh Festival. Sorry we didn't see Joe because you were annoyingly both on at the same time. I know, you had to choose and thank you for choosing me because Joe sells more tickets than I do. And I'm fine with that. I'm really proud of my friend, it's fine. I also thought I'd include a response I've been using to the aren't we all a little bit problem. It goes as follows. We all have an immune system, but nobody would ever say they had a little bit of an autoimmune disease. I want to be clear, I don't think of my condition as being a disease or a disorder, but it does mean that some typical behaviors run to extremes with me and the way the world works makes that difficult. I just thought that That's was- That's lovely, really good it. yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I just wanted to read that one because Sam, thank you so much for sending that. And I think that's a really great response to aren't we all a little bit autistic, ADHD, dyslexic, OCD, wh- whichever one is like, yeah, we all have an immune disease. But when you're sick, you don't say, oh, aren't we, don't we all have a little bit of an autoimmune disorder? You don't say that, do you? Yeah, that's a lovely way of putting it. Yeah. I have a, uh, a funny, less poignant uh neurodivergent moment um i've actually this is off my face but i didn't get the name i apologize uh this is it begins driving around cliffs in cyprus parents are yelling at us to stop singing so my dad can concentrate 
The more nervous my parents get, the louder my sister and I continue singing, stick a banana in your ear. Years later, realized that we were stimming because of how overwhelmingly scary the ride was, completely unable to articulate this fear using words despite our singing making it more dangerous. <laughs> so just to clarify, they are going around cliffs in Cyprus. It's dangerous and terrifying. They're stimming to self-regulating, to re- self-regulate, singing stick a banana in your ear. And uh, it's just making the dad more and more angry and he's driving more and more dangerously and they're stimming more and more and more. <laughs> this exponential the, stimming. The vicious cycle of of needing to self-regulate as things get worse <laughs> and worse. Have you heard this stick, stick a banana in your ear song? No, but I sang on the last podcast. I think it's your turn, Joe. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it, but people should Google it because I think the story is a lot funnier if you listen to this stick a banana because it is, and I listened to it once, it is fucking irritating. <laughs> it's it, like one it... of those like naughties, like YouTube um, sort of like uh, badger badger mushroom type things. It's just like one oh, of those okay. annoying sort of viral songs that were around in the late noughties. Um, and I imagine if you're trying to carefully drive around cliffs in Cyprus, <laughs> it's very distracting. Oh boy, I'm going to listen to that. After What's the time? Conflicting access needs. That's what it is, isn't it? One person needs to sing Stick a Banana in Your Ear. One person needs to concentrate on driving along a yeah. cliff. One needs total silence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Hey, guys, uh, this is the end of this podcast. That, that sounds like we're quitting <laughs> <laughs> this episode. Um, Next week, we're going to do a re-release of an old episode because it'll be during the holidays. So we thought we'd give you one uh, that maybe some of our newer listeners have missed. So keep an eye out for that. Other than I that, think one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. We, we won't tell you. It'll be a surprise which one we pick. But other than that, thank you so much for listening. Uh, give us a four or five star review on your podcast app. It helps other people. Five, five star. Five. Let's not. We don't want four. Yeah, we don't. We, we actually, fives. we have 100% five star reviews. So let's don't keep it up, Don't fuck us guys. over with a four. We needed a five. For Christmas, all we want is for you to give us a five star review on iTunes. No pressure. <laughs> We we'll see you uh, after Christmas. Merry Christmas, guys! Have a have a good Christmas, or or do your best at Christmas, depending <laughs> on how that, you feel about it. That's more my vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See you then. Bye. <laughs>